Welcome to Spread the Word, a podcast brought to you by Bayes. Our mission is to interview and share perspectives on gender to our community. You're here with Audrey, Sydney, Ahana, Isha, Liz, Serena, Megan, Shreya, Sajal, and Aaron. Today, Liz and I talked to Betty Hart about imposter syndrome, the confidence gap between men and women, sisterhood, empowerment, and so much more. We based off our discussion on an article titled Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome, written by Ruchika Tulshan and Jody Ambury. Sorry if I messed up their names, but it's a really good article. We will link it somewhere where you can access the article if you'd like to read it. Um, And we also wanted to address a quick mistake that I made during the interview where I mentioned that uh, the cost of 2022 sophomore class club elections last year had 15 guy candidates, which is wrong. There were actually 12 guy candidates and three girl candidates, so in total there were 15. We also wanted to apologize for the audio quality because sometimes the volume is very, very low and sometimes it's very, very high. But yeah, all of those things aside, we hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fred the Word. Today, it's uh, me and Erin, and we will be interviewing Betty Hart today. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just going to get into it right now. I think just to kind of get, give some context. So, Betty, you sent Erin um, and I an article for, from the Harvard Business Review pertaining to um, imposter syndrome and how women specifically women of color often feel that they don't deserve to be in the place that they're in. Um, And one really interesting aspect of the article is that it focuses more on like, why is it like these specific groups that feel that way than that a lot of people don't really touch on that. They just touch on efforts that can be used to combat it instead of why these groups are experiencing this. So I think just to kind of start us off, like we kind of wanted to get your perspective on like, where do you think like the roots of these come from? Thank you. So yeah, it was a really good um, poignant article, timely article actually about the systemic biases and systemic racism that occurs and that we're addressing finally in, in our history and how imposter syndrome is kind of, I would say birthed out of that to, for lack of better terms. And so what imposter syndrome is for, you know, just a real quick definition as it states in the article, it's just that um, when women feel like they don't fit into a place, a work culture or an academic space, right? And, and having been at IMSA, I've heard time and time again where students of color or students of particular social economic status didn't feel like they deserve to be there. And that hurt my heart because Oftentimes I felt like, well, I don't have a PhD. Do I deserve to be here? (laughs) So when you think about um, the culture that we embrace and that we try to box ourselves into, it just, it's time to disrupt and dismantle that. And so that's why I wanted to share that article with you all. I think that's interesting that you bring up IMSA because I, I myself, I am a young woman, a young black woman specifically. And I think at a lot of times I genuinely, genuinely questioned 
no, I convinced myself, actually. I was like, I really do not feel like I belong here. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they picked the wrong person. They read the wrong, they accepted the wrong application or something. And even like still today, I think like those feelings of, you know, not feeling like good enough are still like in there. They're still persistent. But I think it's just, um, you know, I, I think it's over time, you bit by bit, piece by piece, you do realize that like you are here for a reason and that like you do belong and um, they saw something special in you and you know, that's why you're here. And I think I've been proving that to myself over, okay. yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Did you feel that way when you got the announcement that you were selected to come or did that feeling grow as you experienced IMSA? It grew once I got to IMSA. I mm. think, it, okay, this is the first time it really hit me. I remember taking a math test and I got a C and I remember a lot of other people got an A and th- I know something so simple as that sounds like really ridiculous, but coming from somewhere where I think I really thrived academically and I was so used to like being like top and like getting all these grades then to coming here and getting C's and everyone around me is getting an A I was like oh my gosh like I started having a panic or not a panic moment but like I was like questioning everything I was like yeah like really that smart like especially I think being a person of color at IMSA kind of drove that in a little bit more for me because I felt almost as if it's like the expectations for me to do great were much lower than, for example, compared to, um, you know, my like the white male counterparts, if that made sense. So I feel like at IMSA, it was just being at IMSA, it was way more increased. When I got my letter, I was like, yeah, like I got in, that's so cool, like good for me, but. Wow. Well, I can say to you that that feeling of not fitting in, not feeling like you're smart enough or good enough. Unfortunately, that doesn't go away. Um, I'm experiencing something very similar right now in in a new career that I'm in. And um, it's very like political and high level executive stuff. And I don't come from that language background, (laughs) if you will. So there's some challenges for me coming into a space where I'm the new employee and everyone's been there for years and everyone knows each other. And it's like, there's already this culture and this this brotherhood, sisterhood kind of happening. And I'm trying to figure out where do I fit into this space? And they welcome me with open arms. But now after being there for a few months, things start to float to the top. And it's like, well, you didn't get that. Why didn't you get that joke? And why didn't you get that communicate? Why did you interpret it that way and not this way? And so there's some spaces where I'm feeling like that now. And I've been you know, journeying through careers, plural, for 20 years. So when I read this article, it really resonated with me because it, it gave me some hope in that, like I said, we're going to disrupt and dismantle this thing. And it's going to be up to us, girls, women, all of that, to do that, to hold people accountable for saying, you have to create a space for me. No longer am I going to try to fit in your box, in your, in your narrative. Um, the world is different. The world has changed. It has been changing. And you owe me that space to appreciate my diversity, my creativity, my contributions, just as much as you would make a space for, you know, a Caucasian male or Caucasian female. So that's why I really, really like this article. There's a space in this article that talks about the imposter phenomenon um, in a study back in the 70s, um, basically is kind of when this whole topic 
came up because if you think back, if you follow like the women's suffragette movement and civil rights movements and things like that, women weren't prominent in the workplace until like the eighties. Then we started popping up on the scene <laughs> and it was making people nervous. And then you enter in women of color, women, diverse women with education. Oh, the threat is real, you know? And so here you have this, this minority group coming into a majority group and then there's a threat. And so then just like in the article, they talk about attacking this young woman for her, for her space. And she felt suicidal. And I was like, wow, it really does get that bad for some folks sometimes. But um, I really like the way it laid everything out. It said the impact of systemic racism, classism, xenophobia, and other biases was categorically absent when the concept of imposter syndrome developed. But these things were, you know, they were happening. They just weren't pronounced and people weren't calling it out. What do we call it today? Diversity, equity, inclusion training. We have special people and directorate positions to identify these, these um, situations happening and calling them out. Unfortunately, sometimes it trends black to white, but really it needs to trend just across the board. Any minority group needs to be um, identified and supported and worked around, not worked into. Like I always tell my daughters, like if you're a circle, don't try to fit into a square because you're special, you're different. Be be that, embrace that, and use that to your advantage. I've said a lot. What are your questions? <laughs> Something that we kind of noticed reading the article is the relationship between confidence and competence. There's a mm. yeah, there's a yes. maps. People falsely equate confidence with competence and leadership. Um, mm -hmm. So those two things are necessarily equal to each other. And we definitely noticed this. We were talking about this the other day of how um, last year during our class club elections for sophomore class club, only there were only three girl candidates for the five positions. And then for the guys, there were 15. And so mm -hmm. we were talking about there's definitely a big disparity there um, probably relating to the confidence of the girls who were running or who wanted to run, but maybe they felt like they couldn't or wouldn't be able to in some way. And so we just thought that was really interesting. And we had a question about that kind of relationship between confidence and competence. So do you think there is a line where confidence should equal competence or how confident you should be even at something you're not very good at? Well, I think that, you know, it's very... It's very interesting that there was only three girls, not, not surprising, but very interesting that only three girls felt they were confident enough. So you see the disparity there, right? You have 15 or however many boys to girls that are applying for this role. That brotherhood is real. And it's a beautiful thing. Please don't get me wrong. I think this, that it's great that they cre intentionally create space for one another to support each other's confidence right? And here you have the Baez, who is a space for girls to be confident. Competence is, to me, one part education and experience, and the other part of it is um, leading with empathy. And so you can have all the confidence in the world and be, excuse my language, a complete idiot, <laughs> okay? <laughs> competence, to me, lends to like having a vision, having having that leadership skill that says, I'm gonna bring everyone either up to my level or I'm gonna step back and push you forward. 
I don't need to always lead from the front. That's what confidence is. Confidence is, everybody look at me, I'm, I'm popping. And that's not a bad thing. You know, get your shine, step up, you know, highlight your game, do all that. But um, competence to me lends to having a little bit of empathy and leadership and being experienced in that space. So if, if those three young ladies step into that space with confidence, they need to also balance that competence. How do you lead? What are you referencing or referring to or inspired by? Who, who is inspiring you to be a leader? And then, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with modeling that. And I think, too, I think a lot of, you know, young girls and young women, um, especially women of color, I think part of the reason why it is hard for them to find that confidence to get that leadership position is because there's not a lot in those leadership positions already. Like, if you look at our government, literally, it's made up a lot of, uh, with a lot of Caucasian old males um, of a certain socioeconomic status. Um, yeah. And so I think especially for me, I think it's like growing up, I always have my mom as an example. Um, she's, she's in the healthcare and, you know, she's very, she's made a name for herself and she's done very well. And I've always had that person to look up to in my life. And I think she's driven me a lot in what I want to do, but I just feel so bad for girls who they don't have that. Like they feel like I don't see anyone like me. So why is it that, how can I do it if no one like me has done it? So I think that's an interesting- yeah, Sometimes we have to be our own cheerleaders. You know, yeah. uh, I sent you all uh, an artist, an up and coming artist. She's amazing. Her name is Tony Jones, Tony with an I, and she's an affirmation musician. So I hope you all listen to her. She has some amazing music that's done to like poetry that she's done. And these affirmations are about being a woman, just in in these different spaces demanding respect demand you know calling out her confidence her her latest single that she's promoting is called take up space sis <laughs> and it's basically like if you're in that room let everybody know your self-worth let it shine like a big bright light bulb you know confidence isn't about being boasty all the time it isn't about being the prettiest person in the room it's this energy exchange that says I have something that I want to share with everyone else because I sincerely care about everyone else. To me, that's that confidence is more beautiful than all the makeup and hair extensions you can wear. And we're all snapping right now. Yes. <laughs> Virtual snaps. We <laughs> should have like a snap emoji. Um, there was a woman's reading poetry thing. Um, when was it? Like on Monday. And everyone was just like, clap, like they put the clap emoji. I'm like, no, like it's supposed to snap. And then just yeah. Denzel was doing the snap. We can't hear the snap. I don't know. They should yeah. Everybody should have a song they wake up to in the morning that gets them going. Yeah. And it kind of pours in those words of affirmation to help boost your confidence. Because sometimes that's all you got. You just have yourself and whatever universal um, space you apply your, you know, gifts to. So be your own cheerleader. And then hype your sisters up, you know, be like, girl, your hair, your hair wrap is real cute. <laughs> No, but I think it, it really is. I think that's why I appreciate Bea so much because of like the sister solidarity that mm -hmm. we have within each other. Um, I think that's a really important aspect. And, you know, I I really appreciate that yeah. part of Bea's. That's beautiful that you have that. And I'm going to challenge you all to 
keep that same energy because again, as we get into the workspaces, as we grow up and go into even academia, it becomes very competitive. And, and I, I'm still confused by this to this day. But um, as, a, as women, just like the brotherhood, we have sisterhoods, right? And it is our responsibility to support our sisters, to love them, to nurture them, you know, all of that. And when we get into these workspaces, this environment creates a competition between us and then it gets real catty and gets really ugly and it gets questionable and then it gets lonely. And we don't want to, we don't want to recreate that. So I'm looking to you all as the future of work to, you know, again, disrupt and dismantle that whole mindset of competition. I was having a conversation with my daughters kind of go left a little bit here, but I was having a conversation with my daughters about female rappers and I said, why is it only room for one queen bee at the top? But you have a million guy rappers. And I'm like, and right now, I, what I, I don't listen to them. So I'm just an old mom. But I, I know their music, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. I, I like that they're working together. I will say that. I like that they're working together because they're realizing, like, we, we're stronger together. But I feel like entertainment industry, media always tries to pit them against each other, just like they try to pit them against or pit Cardi B against, what's her name? Um, that's my daughter's, Nicki Minaj. Yeah, but it's like always room for just one queen bee at the top. It's either Beyonce or Rihanna, or you know, you can, name, you can name all of them, right? But I'm like, why? Why is that? There's plenty of room at the top for everyone to get what they need to get. <laughs> we don't do that to guys. So why do we do that to each other, women? ladies i never really thought about it like that actually mm -hmm. why can't it be two women at the top because yeah. even back in my day that's a mom mode right there but back in my day it was the same thing like i used to listen to um female rappers back in i'm not gonna tell you the decade but anyway <laughs> it was the same thing i was like there's only room for one winner at the top why is that there's so many amazing talents out there so the article talks about how the name imposter syndrome has a medical undertone or kind of a, it kind of relates to this idea of like female hysteria or like how women are often called crazy where men are not given that same kind of label. And so, Ooh. yes, we wanted to know if you have any thoughts on, is there something about women or the way that women are perceived that um, causes society to view them in a sort of like, their mental standards are not the same as other people or the reason that we use the words like hysteria and syndrome to associate? Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to the ancient mindsets of the woman stays home, she's the nurturer, she's the caregiver, and the man goes out and hunts <laughs> and brings home the bacon, right? So it goes back to that. And so, like I said, when this whole imposter syndrome um, title kind of rose up to the top around the 70s as, as the article states it's it was disrupting a space where it was predominantly men working and here you have women wanting to be equal what everybody clinched the sides of your cheeks like be equal what does that even mean I mean me and my husband have these conversations all the time about what does equality mean why is it always a threatening notion to people that we literally just want to be treated like human beings, just like you. We want to make money and support our families just like you. Why is it always a threatening? What, what are you really giving up? 
$10, not even, because you're even paying us the same amount. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um, so for women to voice their opinions and to step into spaces that were predominantly male, and oh, by the way, this happened back in World War I or World War II when women were on the front lines where the guys were fighting war. So that showed you right there that we can do it too. But um, I think the notion of women, like how dare you speak out of turn and how dare you speak up for yourself and others, the, the audacity of the woman to want equality is hysteria, right? Now they want to put, they want to put another seed in our minds to make us have that doubt and that fear and, and, you know, question our competence and shake our confidence in our abilities. And that's bull. I'm calling bull on it. Yeah, like going kind of off of what you said, um, in our, not our last episode, but I think the episode before that, um, we interviewed this attorney, her name is Amy Meek, and she's basically like a women's, um, women's rights, um, gender equality, like, she works with the, she used to work at the ACLU, and she was telling us about um, this one case where she was representing a female firefighter because um, she was working in the firehouse and the firehouses they had like no bathrooms for women mm. I'm not corrected. like it was only men and like she she had to like use her voice and stand up for herself because it would get to the point where it was like she couldn't even like shower like after their um their it's not called rounds but after when they come back from like fighting mm. the fires and stuff like she couldn't even shower or else she felt like she was putting everyone out of their way because everyone else would have to shower too and then they all would have to leave and then she just always felt like it was this like uncomfortable position but like she had to make that she had to take action initiative on her own and I really commended her for that because it's very brave to do so when but yeah I don't know just stuff like that like when she told us that there was like no showers for women no accommodation it was just yeah things like that and yeah it just brings up a a really dope quote by tony jones in one of her her um, songs she was like the future isn't female the future is unity or something like that and i was like whoa let me run that back real quick because if you think about that the narratives that we subscribe to the narratives that we promote the narratives that we support you know the future is female it's it's women's history month and that's great we should definitely know our our origin stories but when we always get into these spaces of segregation and pitting each other against one another, whether it's by race, economic class, you know, religion, all of that. When we get into these spaces of separation, we grow weaker. You know, there's, there's strength in numbers, they say. So when we think about women, women empowerment, it needs to be a unified front. When we think about supporting men in other spaces, it needs to be a unified front. It shouldn't always be separation. So when we talk about, you know, this firefighter woman, like she's here to support the cause. She's here to be amongst the best. So yes, they should create a space for her or they should create, well, yeah, they should create a space for her because she's probably the only female there. <laughs> she wants her own shower. But what, it doesn't always have to be separate. We really need to, as a society, get out of this separation narrative. I, it just really honestly disgusts me that we continue to, to support and promote this narrative that we're better and we're going to take over, you know, and, I, and I'll be honest, I'm guilty of it. You know, girls in the STEM, I used to play girls run the world, we run the world. And I'm like, you know what? 
that's a good mindset to have, but it shouldn't be like the end all be all. We're here to, to help make things better. We're here to work together, not take over. <laughs> if, that's, if that makes sense. Yeah, the idea that um, women's empowerment is only for women or that only women can participate in it or only girls can be empowered by it. I, I really disagree with that mindset because I remember um, when I was applying to Vayas, they asked us about uh, women's empowerment. How do you view it? Stuff like that. I remember writing that it's not, it's really not women's empowerment. We're also empowering men. We're empowering guys to support the women in their lives, to support their moms and their sisters. And I feel like, um, like you mentioned, the segregation just kind of reinforces the mindset. If we think that, you know, women can only empower other women and that's, that's it, like they're isolated. I feel like that does just strengthen the divide that we already see and kind of um, separate people from each other instead of creating the more unified yeah. world that you're talking about. Yeah, I'm don't gonna... get me wrong. There is, there's a beautiful space for honoring your cause, honoring your race, honoring your religion. There, there is a beautiful space for that and it's necessary space. But when it gets to a point where it's divisive and it's not inclusive, that's where the problem lies. And we need to examine that and we need to dismantle that. Well, um, yeah, that's all we have for you for today. I think we're reaching upon 30-ish minutes. That went by fast, or okay. maybe 20 minutes. I don't know, I can't do math. Um, but, um, but no, this yeah. was a really good conversation. I really appreciate you all um, looking at this with me, you know, just taking the time to review this because I'm really passionate about changing the narrative around all around all subjects you know just making a truly making a social impact and how we think about things and how we see things through this matrix this one-sided way you know and looking at it from the upside down thank you so much betty for being part of our podcast you're welcome i miss all the insta kids i wish you all well much success to you and your futures look for me on linkedin please so we can connect i'm still here to help Thank you you so much for listening to this episode. We hope it made you think a little bit about these important topics. Thank you again so much to Betty Hart for willing to be on this episode. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast... There's a Google form on our Instagram, which is at Bayez underscore Insta. And if you want to watch a captioned video of this episode, there is a video on our YouTube channel, which is at Bayez underscore Insta in all caps. Yeah, I think that's it. So again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.